the biggest thing that I learned so far was really how publishing works. Mm -hmm. You know, there's publishing and there's money out there that hasn't been collected or it kind of adds up to now to where you see Metro booming. So this catalog for 70 million or once you learn publishing and how publishing works, you kind of understand like the records weren't 100% theirs. They just sold the percentages that they own of the records for X amount of monies. Hey, welcome to Behind the Beat. We're taking you behind the scenes of today's hits. I'm your host, Jen Park. The weather is freezing in New York, so I'm envisioning my trip to Miami next week for Miami Music Week. I'm thinking about the palm trees, the weather, the beach, my favorite place in the whole wide world, on South Beach. It's only natural that I ask my next guest, celebrity DJ, producer, entrepreneur, and heavy hitter, DJ E. Feezy. Welcome. Are we allowed to curse? Yes. Jen motherfucking Park, <laughs> get it right. What's cracking, Jen? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Just in Miami, you know, enjoying the weather, waiting for you to get down here. I'm you looking know, at you the... like. <laughs> Go ahead. I see. I see you like the uh, the South of Fifth kind of vibe. I, I do. Just warn, I just want to warn you, Jen. The law now is that every liquor stops serving at two a.m. now. Wait, what happened? Oh, yeah, they passed the law. Liquor is not allowed to be served past 2 a.m. south the 5th. Wait, is this a March thing? Because I feel like every year in Miami, without fail, right around spring break, there's some kind of curfew happening. It's been going for that long. They've been trying to pass the law for a long time, and they finally passed it. And one of the clubs that's in south the 5th only has 30 days left. So which club is this? You know... (laughs) <laughs> you can google it <laughs> one of those 24-hour clubs no uh one of the bigger clubs in south the fifth gotcha. that used to be called opium gardens so everybody else can look that up i like to be politically safe <laughs> okay so basically they have 30 days and then yeah they got till this the last 30 days gotcha. it's a wrap so that's like forever. That's, that's done crazy. after, uh, you know, South of Fifth, which Jen likes to stay, is a very <laughs> area. And yeah. a lot of things have been going on, especially oh, with, you know, a specific artist that, you know, took it to the moon since that shooting. Okay. I remember that one. Yeah, they the weren't they, there. The city of uh, South Beach is no longer going forward anywhere south of Fifth. They pay yeah. too much money. How are you surviving spring break down there? I know people are wilding out. There's probably people twerking in the middle of the road. There is. That's what uh, I remember. <laughs> where, where, where I'm at in, in my um, veteranness, don't know if that's a word, but um, I don't go down there unless it's time for work. Gotcha. Because, I mean, you know, spring breakers are full of a bunch of college kids. Like, mm-hmm you know where to go and where not to go. And if no, and if, if people that don't know South Beach, usually that area is between probably 7th Street and 12th because mm-hmm. the beach is actually divided 
in different sectors. Like yep. south of fifth, of course, is the rich part. Mm-hmm. And then after fifth, after fifth is when you get into the ratchetness. Spring break, they might have just took over all sectors, but then that's where the hotels make it even safer because they just jack the hotel prices up. Oh, it's so expensive. I don't know how people even go down there. I mean, it was really great in the pandemic because it was so, so cheap for like a hot second. Yeah, hot second. And then it was kind of like the only one of the only cities open and everyone kind of bought property down there. And now it's pretty much. It's still a great place to be. So can't wait to hear. So I wanted to have you on the pod because you're obviously very well respected in the industry and very active and entrepreneurial in the music space. So I wanted to go through, you know, how you got here. So let's take it back. Um, What people may not know about you is that you're from Cleveland, Ohio, which is very different from Miami. I'm a little familiar with the area, birth region of LeBron James. What was it like growing up in Ohio and how did you get into DJing? Well, um, growing up in Ohio was probably what you think it is until you get to cleveland so cleveland is a really uh like it's it's the actual city right mm-hmm. so um we have clubs back at the time where i started djing at when i started djing i started djing at 12 i started doing 21 and up clubs at like 13 and i started radio at 16 so you know we have a place called the flats which if you ever been to Miami is kind of like Wynwood or, you know, any other place like Bill Street. It's just it's that one area of downtown where, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bunch of clubs at. So um, I started off doing high school parties, actually. OK, mm-hmm. how old are you when you did clubs? We like skip past that. No, I was I started 21 and up clubs when I was 13, 14 years. Old. Rewind. First of all, isn't it 21 up? So like, yeah, but I was so. <laughs> I'm six foot five and I've always been tall. So the club owners were just like, all right, just don't tell anybody. Oh my God. Yeah. How old you are. Damn. So you've been so, partying or I don't, I'm assuming you're, you've been partying, but I don't, can't say. Long but time. Since you were 13. And how did you well, learn? Uh, well, it started off. I begged my mom for a pair of turntables. She actually said, this is your birthday and Christmas present. So I got a pair of turntables for my birthday and Christmas because she was sick of me, like, fucking up her records mm-hmm. <laughs> on her record player. Um, I got my first turntables at 12. I was just kind of practicing in the back room, and I would just always make a bunch of noise. She let me make a bunch of noise. And then after that, I linked up with a guy named Matt Radicelli. Um, He had a couple clubs, and we just started throwing teen parties and then our teen parties were so big all over the city um that's when i got contacted by the radio station and since i wasn't really old enough to work work they started me off as an intern in the promotions department and then after that is when i started being on air when they when cleveland actually got their first all hip-hop station which is z1079 now it's been around for a while but Mm -hmm. that was at a time where there were hip-hop stations but it wasn't as big all over the country so it was a lot of what we call now urban ac stations that would play a lot of r&b but not really as much hip-hop and so you got your first radio job when you're how old now 16 and then i read radio took you through cleveland alabama memphis louisville well to give you the small long and long story like yeah when from cleveland started radio there then um i moved to 
Huntsville. I was a basketball player first, but I DJ just for fun. So what had happened was, is I always wanted to go to a ACC school, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of waited because I really wanted to go to Duke or like Carolina and even NC State would have been cool. But I really didn't get the offers that I wanted at any ACC school that I wanted to go to. And um, so therefore, like, I think I signed at Alabama A&M, which was still Division One, like probably a week before, like the letter of intent deadline. And that's how I got to Huntsville, Alabama. I was only supposed to do a year there. And then I stayed. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I met one of my best friends who a lot of people know. His name is DJ Infamous. And we went to school together. And mm-hmm. then um, we started doing radio there. Like I won a contest on what we call The Yard. When I won the DJ contest, the winner gets a radio slot. So that's I started crazy. radio. Yeah. yeah, I started. That's how I started radio in Huntsville, Alabama. Then when I graduated, I went over to Memphis, Tennessee, and then that's where like things just kind of really kind of took off. And that's where, you know, I met Three Six Mafia. That's where I found Yo Gotti at before Yo Gotti was Yo Gotti. That's how I became his first tour DJ because he didn't have a DJ. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met Kay Michelle when she was singing at a, a karaoke spot. Thought she was dope. We always connected. And then, you know, ever since my Memphis ties are so deep, that's how I met Dolph and was able to do records with Dolph. Um, did records with Gotti, did records with Kay Michelle, did records with 36 Mafia. So it was like, you know, my Memphis ties was how I was able to, oh, Memphis hits. So my Memphis times was when I really started to get into the business. Um, I stayed in Memphis for maybe about a year or two. And then after that, um, they gave me the job to be the youngest music director in the country. And so therefore, I went to Louisville, Kentucky, stayed there for four years. Between that time, signed this kid named Casanova, which, you know, kind of goes over till today amazing producer um amazing artist but you know his producers took him to a platinum record which is the city girls record that him and rico love produced and he did a bunch of stuff and louisville was great i started to see you know all of my friends well even let's back up so even when i was in um huntsville i I started at sirius radio which was you know at wax 42 which, you know, no one was even hip to serious radio at that time. Continued, uh, beat the merger between Sirius and XM. And then when I was, when I moved to Louisville, became a music director, I did another show called the Russ Par in the Morning Show. So at that time, I was at 42 radio stations at like one time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, was in Louisville, did the thing in Louisville for four years, um, and then almost got killed there. And so I moved to Miami. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so long story short, um, I had a guy that worked with me. Um, he threw some parties and stuff with me. He was one of my neighbors, thought he was cool. Didn't know he was a drug dealer. He owed me some money. He got into a situation where he got fronted some illegal things, told the drug dealers that, I owed him money. And when I pay him, he'll be able to pay them for the drugs that they fronted. So they came to look for you, basically. Well, yeah, I'm in the strip club throwing money. And, and you know, by street law, it's kind of like, well, you're throwing our money. 
Mm-hmm. And so therefore we were like, we had to a party before. So we were in like a 10 passenger van and they shot up the van I was in. And at That's that point, fucking crazy. Yeah, it, was, yeah, it was like, it was like 20 holes in a 10 passenger van. And at that time I was like, yo, I'm blessed. So in my escape at the time, I was just like, all right, where am I going to move? And I was like, all right, Chicago, fuck it. I'm moving to London or like Miami. London's too gloomy. Chicago's too fucking cold. Miami, because there's no shootings that ever happened in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> right. So moved to Miami. I didn't know anybody in Miami. And I just yeah. kind of hustled my way in as much as I could. Okay. Yeah. I guess the first thing is like, what did radio do for music back then? And how has that changed? Back then, radio, like you could, um, you had the power to actually play records, right? Mm-hmm. You had the power to break records because this was way before streaming. So during that process, it was just like, okay, well, in order to get your record out there to the masses, you had to come to the radio. Like you yeah. had to go to the mix show DJs and you had to, you had to start there. And then you had to go, you know, with the program directors and, you know, that was the thing to get your music heard. And that's how you sold, you know, CDs, records mm-hmm. at that time was just through radios. So, yeah. you know, at that time, there wasn't even a such thing as MP3s. Mm-hmm. So there was none of that. We used to get serviced records and shit. Yeah. One other question is like, what do you think the future is with hip hop and radio? Artists still want to be on radio. I think the bigger superstar artists get the radio in, right? I feel like, you know, the mix show DJ, uh, I'm not going to say that the DJ is dead in or pointless, but now you can survive without the DJ because you have streaming, right? Um, I think some of the superstar people that get it, like Lil Baby, Mm -hmm. he does interviews, he goes to radio, he, he, like, he gets it. He streams, he goes and, and, and sees the radio people. He goes and see the podcasters. He does the interviews. He takes pictures with people because he understands. Some of the newer artists, they don't care. Mm-hmm. It probably some of them, not that they don't care. They just don't know how to do it because they grew up in the internet age. So yeah. it's like a lot of them do it backwards. But they soon figure out that in order to get to that superstar status, like mm-hmm. super, superstar, like you need all of everybody yeah. combined. Mm-hmm, I agree. So that's radio. Radio used to be the first step. Mm-hmm. Now it's the last step to stardom. So now you're in Miami. You don't really know anyone, right? I didn't know. So how did you get into the nightlife scene? Because I know now you're a staple. Well, you know, I'm a heavy hitter, so that kind of goes a long way. People actually were just like, well, if you're a heavy hitter, you can't be that bad, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, people just kind of gave me some chances here in the clubs. Mm. Um, some of the DJs around, like, literally, if I didn't, if I haven't fought all of them, we definitely got into arguments because, you know, I'm a new kid, you mm-hmm. know, coming into their territory. It's like, all right, so who's this new motherfucker? But, you know, coming in, I just kind of looked at the people before me. And this is when, you know, I was on, I'm, I started on radio down here too at 99 Jam. So this is at the time where Khaled was still doing radio. Mm-hmm. So like me and Khaled were at the same radio station, but I would just watch Khaled and just watch how he did in the clubs. And I would ask other people like, okay, so what was Khaled doing to make Khaled Khaled? And they were like, yo, it was so crazy. Like the artists will come in there and he'll run the record back a hundred times. And that's how he built a relationship with artists. And I have relationships with the artists, but 
not like I do now. So I just took that same formula, even from his first mixtape formula. Like I took mm-hmm. a save this first mixtape formula. Was like, all right, so let's do some records with like the local guys, like even how he did with Pitbull and Ross. Mm-hmm. And then when we're in the clubs, if the artist is in the building, let's run it back a hundred times. Let's pay it ten times in a row. Da 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 da. And that's what I took. And so therefore, from that method, how Khaled spun off Rick Ross is the same way I spun off Zoe Dollars. So it all kind of comes in full circle. So is that what Wolf of South Beach was? Yeah, but that was that was actually kind of different because um, the Wolf of Wall Street, which was like one of my favorite shits. Mm-hmm. Like once I seen the once I seen the trailer, I was like, I'm gonna change my name. So the, and this was before anybody was like, I'm the Wolf of such and such, mm-hmm. right? Because I was coming out with a mixtape, needed a mixtape name. I was like, yeah, that's dope, and I took it and changed it to the Wolf of South Beach, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I posted it, it's funny. Puff called me and was like. And I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying, like, Puff literally called me. I was like, yo, you need to coin that shit. And you need to coin it now. Yeah, yeah. So then I coined it. And then I, it was over and over and over. And then after that, shit, everybody else was the wolf of something or the wolf of this or the wolf of that. So it just mm-hmm. kind of stuck. And on that tape, you had 2 chains, Wayne, French Montana, Migos, Kodak Black. How did that well, all come together? That's the album. The, it's per, it started off as two mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And then what had happened was is I wanted to be an A&R so bad. I was just like, all right, so what do we need to do? And I was just kind of like, all right, well, let me show record labels. That I can put artists on tapes. I can right. be in the studio. Yeah. Do this type of shit. So, you know, Kodak at the time, if you listen to the album, no one knew who Kodak was. Mm-hmm um meek and kind of french and you know and i was signed to young money cash money as an artist putting out records so that's how i did the record with wayne there was just people that i seen a lot shit it was it was at the time where migos was kind of gearing up i think um what's his face was still in jail at the time offset was still in jail at the time but you know i grew up with coach Mm -hmm. so i've known coach since i was eight years old so it was like even when he brought the Migos to me, like they were kids. So mm-hmm. it was just like I helped people so much. Like motherfuckers was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do records for you," and that's just how it came about. Speaking of A and R, you're now doing panels called Flare Florida. Why did you create it? It kind of ties into the album. So when I was kind of doing the album, I probably spent maybe like a hundred grand of my own money just trying to figure out who was who and what is what. And that was at the time where it was like, if you get your video on like MTV jams, like you're the shit. And like, I ran into so many people who were charging dumbass prices and they were just ripping people off. So yeah. it was like, I spent the money. Mm-hmm. right in order to kind of give people the knowledge of the right people to go to right so it's kind of like let's skip all the bullshit let's skip the people who are going to overcharge you xyz and let's go ahead and get down to it so you can actually really learn from music professionals how the music business goes so that was the passion behind it and then it just kind of you know spun off into its own thing it's just i really just want people to learn like i'm gonna each one teach one kind of individual so it's like i don't make any money off of it like i pay for the flights and i pay for the rooms and i pay for this and i pay for that but it's just like i just want the artists to learn oh the next one's coming up in august y'all i actually really enjoyed the panel i was there for you the were on one. my first one <laughs> yeah. thank and you i thank you and i love it so much because you really break it down 
like you ask all the questions that like people wouldn't be able to ask and it's in a super intimate setting what is the biggest thing and i'm sure you learn a lot too so what is the mm-hmm. biggest thing that you've learned so far from one of your panels the biggest thing that i learned so far was really how publishing works mm-hmm. I think that's just like super important, like even to the point as to where like some people don't know that, you know, there's publishing and there's money out there that hasn't been collected or some money that hasn't been collected from people, you know, and it's just kind of like it kind of adds up to now to where you see Metro Boomin sold his catalog for 70 million or somebody just sold it for 70 or 100 million, Justin Bieber, 100 million. But it's like once you learn publishing and how publishing works you kind of understand like the records 100% theirs. They just sold the percentages that they own of the records for X amount of money. So it kind of helped me put together a bunch of things, which now has catapulted me into doing another business that will be coming up shortly, a company called Songvest, where we give actual people the opportunity to buy their favorite artist catalog. Coming soon. Where can they check out more info? Is there an Instagram they could follow? I know or there's one me? for Flair. Well, you, Flair. Oh, well, yeah. Flair is at Flair Florida. Me at DJ Feezy um, at Songvest. Miami talent. Let's talk about that. There's no shortage of Florida rappers that are popping out of Florida. Honestly, we should have more hip hop labels out there. For some reason, the majors are Latin only. I don't know why. Who should we know about that are that's coming out of Florida right now? Um, sign hot? right now i think the one the kid to look at is um lou tyler i like him a lot i think okay, he's, he's signed dope. yeah yeah he's signed unsigned kind of difficult i mean i of course i like the girl eye candy she's from broward she has that song what's it called it's going on TikTok. it is keep that nigga that's what oh, it's called yep, with, with the, the big, old, big, big sample in it yeah the, right yeah with a big sample in it mm-hmm. she's not signed there's a lot of kids um that are on this underground scene i like wiz having but i think okay. he just got time wiz having is dope I like uh, it's just a lot of people in florida is just mm-hmm. kind of like who's gonna be the first to burst out majorly mm-hmm. right like on the hood shit all day long but i'm like who's that next superstar Star- yeah from florida so that's what i can't wait to see and to give you that i wish i knew because i bring them <laughs> to you but- we gotta figure it out um, yeah, well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Any new music that you're working on right now or any new musicians that you're working with? What should we check out from you? Currently, and you know, I was I had the label deal with Rock Nation. So currently trying to, you know, ramp up some new shit. My next project is actually going to be a Emma Piano EP. So I'm going to do like a six song. It's going to be called Miami Piano. Awesome. It's just kind of a different um it's gonna be like a you know that african south african vibe mm-hmm. the Emma piano but with like miami artists and a couple of you know artists from africa see if we can fuse it and see what happens i just feel like being creative so see how that goes when do you want to put that out i want to put it out today but i'll probably <laughs> put it out probably by next month i'm just waiting on um artists that is from miami she's kind of like the last piece to it her name is savannah <laughs> christina okay waiting for savannah christina she used to be signed to warner free agent now gotcha I, I gotta get her on there it's a must i wanted to keep this short and painless thank you so much for speaking with me 
Um, thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Make sure to follow DJ Efeezy at DJ Efeezy on socials for all the best yep. parties to hit up the next time you're yep. in Miami and other cities too, since you DJ yep. all over the country. Again, yep. I'm your host at Bougie on the Beat. Thank you and good night.